right, well, we're back in the book of Judges. We're going to try to finish that out in the next several weeks. And then with September 19th coming, so mark your calendar. That is back to church day, and we're hoping it'll be a big day for us. And so we're going to start a new series uh, around that day at that time. And so we're going to get through Judges uh, and finish that out before we get there. Now, remember, uh, I'll just remind you, because we took a little bit of a break this summer uh, on the Summer of Songs series, but one of the things we reminded ourselves every week with the book of Judges is that the Bible is a mirror. The Bible is first and foremost a mirror for you and I, for us to be able to look at ourselves and see, hold it up and see what needs to change in us. If we simply read the Bible as a book of stories that one day, you know, used that happened one day long ago, then we may miss the idea that the Bible is supposed to speak to my heart, to my life. The Bible is supposed to show me the blemishes and the things that need to be changed about me. And so today we hold the Bible up to ourselves and ask God to uh, show us what needs to change in our own hearts and in our own lives as we read the story about Samson, as we read a story maybe even familiar to you from uh, childhood or other uh, times where you may have even studied Samson, that we would see this story in a new way that says, what needs to be different in Derek's life? What needs to be different in your lives? How does God need to change us? Another thing that we've been doing as we've been looking at the book of Judges, is we've really been asking a question that will help us orient around kind of the whole point of the passage. So today, if you would open your Bibles to Judges chapter 13 and 14. Don't worry, we're not going to read it all. <laughs> uh, that would take too long. We are going to highlight different portions. This is the question I think we need to ask ourselves. And I would encourage you, if you write anything down, write this down. What happens when the blessings of God are right in front of us and we choose another way? What happens when the blessings of God are right before us, right in front of us, right at our feet, right in our face, and we choose to go another way? You see, that's what happened. That's what took place in Samson's life. So let's ask ourselves this question. The blessings of God are here for us. The blessings of God are all around us. The blessings of God are right in front of us. It's not just something we look at in, in an Old Testament book, but it's something that we can see right now. If we will open our eyes, if we will see the hand of God in our lives, if we can see how God is providing, loving, caring for each and every one of us, they're here before us. And we have a choice to make. Will we see them and grab onto them? Or will we choose another way? And we have to ask ourselves that question even today. We must make a choice. Samson, 
unlike many of the other deliverers from the book of Judges that God used to deliver his people out of bondage to people, Samson was different. Samson was born. Samson was born to do that. Can we just take a moment and pray for whatever's going on? It was an ambulance. Let's just pray that God would uh, intervene there. Lord, we pray for wherever the ambulance is going. Lord, whatever is taking place right now, whatever emergency, whatever concern, God, that you would protect, that you would guide, that you would give wisdom. We ask this and trust it in Jesus' name. Amen. Samson was born to deliver. In fact, um, the Bible starts off just like it had in other times. The, the people of the Lord had done evil in his sight, and they needed to be delivered. And God paved the way by bringing Samson to be born to do that. Samson was born to deliver. He was set apart. He was special. Even messianic in a way. I'm not saying he was a Messiah, but I do see how he was a shadow of what was to come. There, there are some parallels that he was born to be a promise to, to deliver the people of God from bondage just in the same way that the Messiah would be born to deliver God's people from bondage. All the blessings of God were right in front of him. He was born into it. All the blessings of God right within his grasp. And what did he do? He squandered them. Let's look at the pieces of his story to determine what we can learn for our own selves. See, the story begins like all the other stories. Look in chapter 13, verse 1, and it says, The Israelites again did what was evil in the Lord's sight, so the Lord handed them over to the Philistines 40 years. So nothing had changed. They had a, a short period of peace with Ibzan and Ab, uh, Abdon uh, and Elon, but it was short-lived. They did again what was evil in the Lord's sight, and so the Lord gave them over. He pulled his provision away from them and allowed the Philistines who were all around them to take over, to surround them, and to rule within their city and among their people. God's people were unrecognizable as God's people. They had been so canonized, canonized from the Canaanites, they had become so much like them, they were unrecognizable. Their lifestyles lived just like the rest of the people that surrounded them. Their, their, everything that they did was just like the Canaanites. They worshipped their gods, they lived the way that they did, and so God said, fine, I'll let you experience what it's like to be in their midst. And the Philistines came in and ruled them. They needed God to intervene. They were in such a place. They were unrecognizable as God's people. They were unrecognizable in that way. And they needed intervention. And that's what we see today is that you and I need God to intervene in our lives as well. What do we see in this passage? We see a people who needed God to intervene. And they, they were living in a way that shouldn't, they shouldn't have been. And, and that may not be the case for you and I, but regardless, we need God's intervention in our lives. Amen? We need Him to work. 
to move. That's what we've been praying for. That's what we're going to continue to pray for, that we would be less like ourselves and that God himself would be more like himself in us and that he would change us and that he would intervene in our lives. They had done evil in the sight of the Lord and God does intervene. Look, verse 6, then the woman, this was, um, this was Samson's mom, Manoah, uh, and his wife. Then the woman went and told her husband, a man of God came to me and he looked like the awe-inspiring angel of God. And I didn't ask him where he came from and he didn't tell me his name. And he said to me, you will conceive and give birth to a son Therefore, don't, do not drink wine or beer or anything else unclean because the boy will be a Nazarite to God from birth until the day of his death. So God intervened. God made a way. The people of Israel needed intervention. They needed freedom from the Philistines. And God brought someone who could do that. God gave them Samson to deliver them. And he came in a, a special way. He was set apart as a Nazarite. And we'll talk about that in a few minutes as to what that actually mean, or what that actually meant. Just like God had done time and time again, and like God does time and time again in our lives, we need Him to intervene. And when we call on His name, He does. The Lord intervenes in our lives. And we need Him to do that. We need God to move. And we just don't have to hope so about that. We don't just have to guess about that. Lord, we need you to intervene. He will. We see Him doing it again and again. He's faithful to move. He's faithful to change lives. He's faithful to save. He's faithful to redeem. He's faithful to deliver. And you and I need Him to do that. And he will. And he will. And the second thing that we see is that we need to recognize God's hand. We need to recognize God's hand in our lives. Look at what verses 13 and 14 said. The angel of the Lord answered Manoah, Your wife needs to do everything I told her. She must not eat anything that comes from the grapevine or drink wine or beer. She must not eat anything unclean. Your wife must do everything I have commanded her. And then verse 16, The angel of the Lord said to him, If I stay, I won't eat your food, but I want you to prepare a burnt offering. Offer it to the Lord. Manoah did not know he was in, that he was the angel of the Lord. And then look at verses 19 through 24. Manoah took a young goat and grain offering and offered them on a rock to the Lord who did something miraculous while Manoah and his wife were watching. When the flame went up from the altar to the sky, the angel of the Lord went up in its flame. And when Manoah and his wife saw this, they fell face down on the ground. The angel of the Lord did not appear again to Manoah and his wife. Then Manoah realized that it was the angel of the Lord. So it wasn't until this miraculous, amazing event that he even knew what was going on and who this actually was. We were certainly going to die, he said, when he finally realized we're, we're going to die because we have seen God. But his wife said, if the Lord had intended to kill us, he wouldn't have accepted the burnt offering and the grain offering from us, and he would not have shown us all these things or spoken them to us like this. 
So the woman gave birth to a son and named him Samson. The boy grew, and the Lord blessed him. So what happened is that the very angel of the Lord was in their midst, and they didn't even know it. But, but it shouldn't surprise us because, remember, the people of Israel were so unrecognizable as God's people that an angel of the very God came in their midst and they didn't even recognize him. They didn't understand who he was. They didn't have any idea what was going on. They said, you know, what, what's going on? The wife, you know, hey, uh, Manoah, this guy came to me. He said, you know, I'm going to have a son. Like, it's kind of weird what's going on. Manoah's like, hey, who are you? Should we offer a sacrifice to you? Or what's going on with this? And the angel of the Lord like, no, don't offer it to me. Offer it to the Lord. You see, they didn't even recognize God's hand in their life. They didn't recognize God doing a work moving in their life because they were so uh, conditioned. They were so uh, set in such a way that they were looking to the world for answers. They were so Canaanized. They were so like the Canaanites. They didn't even recognize their very own God working in their midst and doing something amazing in their midst. And I wonder, I wonder, is our culture not too different? Are we so distracted by all that's going on that we forget that God is in control? God is the one who fights our battles. God is the one who is Lord over us and loves us and is with us. And even when it's hard to see, he's moving, working, changing lives, doing the unthinkable, doing the unimaginable, doing an amazing work. You see, we need to be trained and conditioned and help ourselves to realize and understand God is still God. God is still Working, God is still moving. And God still wants to do something amazing in our lives. And maybe we just need to open our eyes or pray and say, God, help me to understand how you're already working, how you're already moving, how I need to be still and know that you are God and trust you. We need not wait for a miracle to appear. God is already working. He works when we don't even know it. And so we need to open our eyes and look for it. Lord, show us how you're working and moving and how you want to work in our midst. The third thing that we see is that we cannot take things into our, our own hands. So you see that chapter 13 is this amazing movement of God. The people of God needed an intervention. God brought one. He said, I'm bringing you Samson. He's going to be set apart. He's a Nazarite. He, he's going to be set apart and, and, and put uh, in a special place. And I'm going to use him. I'm going to use him in an amazing, amazing way. So you would think the very next words of chapter 14 would be uh, this awesome feat, right, of how Samson came in and God used him to deliver God's people and he was righteous and holy and lived his life the way we all ought to live. But that's not what happens. 
That's not what happens. We, we cannot take things into our own hands. And that's, be, we, we, that's the point because that's what Samson does. He takes this special blessing right in front of him. This thing that he was set apart to do and he uses it for his own selfish gain. He squanders it. He squanders this thing that God gave him. The angel of the Lord leaves. Everything seems good. And in nine months, everything's going to be all right. Well, there's going to be a deliverer on hand. But in the very next verse, we see Samson as a grown man. Samson went down to Timnah, verse 14, chapter, chapter 14, verse 1, and saw a young Philistine woman there. He went back, back to his, told his father and his mother, I've seen a young Philistine woman in Timnah. Now get her for me as a wife. But his father and mother said to him, verse 3, Can't you find a young woman among your relatives or among any of your people, of our people? Must you go to the uncircumcised Philistines for a wife? But Samson told his father, Get her for me. She's the one for me. She's the right one for me. Now his father and mother did not know that this was from the Lord who wanted the Philistines to provide an opportunity for a confrontation. At that time, the Philistines were ruling Israel. So what we see is, is Samson does an unconventional thing. He wants a wife from the Philistines. Now, God used that, but it was still the wrong thing to do. It wasn't the right thing to do. It wasn't their custom. It wasn't what their uh, religion showed them that they needed to do. They needed to be married among people that were righteous like them. The Bible expressly tells them, the Old Testament says, you should not go into places where people are of a different faith. You shouldn't go and be with them and marry their people. You shouldn't do those kind of things. But the Lord allowed it, and the Lord worked in what Samson was doing, but he was doing what he wanted to do. Look what he says. He says, she's the right one for me. He didn't care about the Lord and what the Lord wanted. He didn't care about what his mom and dad wanted, which was the culture of the day. He wanted what he wanted. And he took things into his own hands. Samson is arrogant. All acting seemingly independent of God, although it is God who has blessed him. And Samson was set apart as a Nazarite, and simply what that means is that there, it was a, this, religious, uh, uh, this religious plea, this, this thing that was special, and, and usually it was a, something you did voluntarily and said, hey, I'm taking a Nazarite vow. I'm, I'm not going to cut my hair. I'm not going to drink alcohol, and I'm not going to be any, near anything dead. Any dead carcasses, death, it'll be far from me. So that was the Nazarite vow, and usually it was a voluntary thing, but Samson was told by the angel of the Lord, his parents were told by the angel of the Lord, that he would need to do these things, that he would be set apart for this. Many believe Jesus also took a Nazarite vow. We don't know that it's, it's speculation, but people do believe that. And it was a common thing to do. And, and the angel of the Lord even told um, Manoah's wife and Samson's mom that she, before, while she was pregnant, she would also keep this vow. That's why he says, don't drink any alcohol, any of those things. So the Lord set Samson apart. The Lord gave him the blessings, the power, the calling on his life 
And he used it for his own good and his own gain. You see that? that the blessings of God were there. He could have lived in those, but he took them and used them for his own advantages rather than the Lord. The blessings were right in front of him. He went a different way. Too often we try to handle things in our own way without even consulting God. Or we use uh, a blessing of, well, uh, the Lord says I can uh, do this. I can have the freedom to do this in Scripture. It's there. I, I can live in that freedom. I can do whatever I want. The Lord will forgive me. The Lord will love me. And then we try to live our own lives and just hope that the Lord was, is, is gracious enough and kind enough to erase it all. But that's not how this works. The Lord is our God. He loves us. He's given us blessings for us to take hold of. And when we live in our own way, we squander them. When we take things in our own hands, it's like we're shunning the blessings of God rather than receiving them. The fourth thing that we see is that God works in spite of us and in spite of our selfishness. So Samson breaks his Nazarite vow. We know that because he goes along the road and he finds a lion, right? And what, number one, he killed the lion first with his bare hands, which is amazing. And, and, and we always focus on the strength of Samson, but he was strong physically, but weak spiritually, weak in self-control. But he kills this lion. It leaves it there. He leaves it there. And later he comes by and the carcass is there. And this is just gross. You know, it's kind of like, who would do this? But he finds that there's a, a beehive in there. It's got honey in there. And he goes and gets that honey. So I, I don't know. I'm a visual person, and I just cringe at that. It's like, that's gross, man. Like, number one, you are not supposed to be near that dead lion carcass because that's the Nazarite vow. So you've already broken that. Also, why? Ugh. You know, like, are you that hungry? That you got to go, oh, some honey in a dead lion carcass. I mean, it's just weird, right? So, but he does, not only that, but he goes and gives it to everybody else, which is like, I would be very upset if I found out how he got that. That's just me, okay? But he goes and gives this to all these other people, his mom and dad included, and then he, uh, then he tells these Philistines, he tells them this riddle. And he makes a bet with him and says, hey, if you can figure out my riddle, he gives him a time frame to do it. Uh, I will give you 30 outfits, 30 things of clothing. I'll, go, I'll give it to you. They said, but if you don't figure it out, you'll give me 30 outfits of clothes. I guess he was, I guess he was a, style, a style guy. I don't know. Right? He was like, I need some clothes. So all this takes place. And Samson is haughty. Samson... Uh, has this wife, but he leaves her in the middle of it all. She's given to another man because look what happens in chapter 14, 16 and 17. Samson's wife came to him weeping because this was her people. Their people threatened her. If you do not tell us the riddle, tell Samson to tell you the riddle because if you don't, we don't want to give him 30 outfits, right? We don't want to do that. Because they were prideful also. We don't want to do that. So we'll kill you and your family. We'll make it really, really tough for you. So you better go ask Samson and get it. So she comes to him weeping. You hate me and you don't love me. You told my people the riddle, but haven't explained it to me. And look, he said to her, I haven't explained it to my mom and dad either. So why would I explain it to you? 
She wept the whole seven days of the feast, and the last day, on the seventh day, he explained it to her because she had nagged him so much. Then she explained it to her people, which I'm, you know, I'm surprised he lasted seven days. That just would be hard (laughs) to last that long if she's constantly, you know, asking. So that doesn't happen in our house, just for the record. So um, the whole nagging part, so... Verse 19, the Spirit of the Lord, um, so let me, let me finish the story there. I'm, I'm jumping ahead with verse 19. So what happens is that she tells them, they guess it, and he was mad, right? He was mad. So he goes and uh, gets the 30 clothing, the clothing from 30 dead men that he just kills, That's what verse 19 happens. The Spirit of the Lord came powerfully on him, and he went down to Ashkelon and killed 30 of their men. He stripped them and gave their clothes to those who had explained the riddle. In a rage, Samson returned to his father's house, and his wife was given to one of of the men who had accompanied him. All this is crazy. So he's haughty, full of himself, But the crazy thing is, is that God uses him anyway, because God has a purpose for his life to to address the Philistines, to take care of the the their uh, what they were doing to the people of Israel, to get rid of them, to overcome them. And God was going to use Samson and God uses him in a way that you would never imagine. You never would have thought. And we'll see that next week as we talk about it. But in this very moment, verse 19, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully on him. God used him in spite of his selfishness. What we need to see in this, though our situation is very different, we're not trying to release the, uh, our people from the Philistines' control, God works even when we aren't in the position to be used by Him. Even when we're living our life in the wrong way, God still works. It's not like we can limit God in power. God still works in spite of us and using us even when we don't deserve it. Shouldn't we consider this as we go about our own lives? How much more could God work in our lives if we had God's best interest at heart and that of the others as well? So don't take this as a moment of license and say, well, I can do whatever I want. God will use me regardless. <clears throat> That's not the point here. What could, have God, what, God, what could God have done had Samson maintained his vow? What, had, what could God had, have done through Samson instead of in spite of him? I don't want to get at the end of my life and say, Lord, I wish I would have been more uh, obedient to you so you could use me better, but I sure am glad you used me in spite of me. No, I'd much rather get to the end of my life and say, Lord, I, didn't, I wasn't perfect. I didn't do everything right, but I tried to be dependent upon you, to love you, to serve you. So that the Lord can say those words we're all longing to hear. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Yeah, God can use us in spite of us because he's God. But what if we devoted our lives to him in such a way 
that he would use us because we depended on him and not on ourselves. Friends, the blessings of God are right in front of our faces. God is good. God's blessings abound to you and I. We, have, we live in a place in the world that is not afforded to the entire world where we can freely express our views, our faith in Jesus. I know it's getting increasingly harder. I understand that. I'm not, I do watch the news. I try not to do that very often so that I can continue to trust in the Lord. But we still live in a place where the blessings of the Lord abound. And I think, in many ways, we have lost those or are losing those, if we are. Because we, like Samson, had them right in front of us and we squandered them. Generation after generation. We just counted on them. We live in America. It's a land of the free, home of the brave. God's going to provide. It's going to be okay. And we continue to live our lives in our own strength for our own selfish gain. And it's time for God to intervene and for you and I to recognize God's hand. And to not take things in our own hands, but depend upon Him. The blessings of God are right before us. What will we do? What choice will we make? Will we take them? Use them? Humbly receive them? And use them for His glory? Or will we say, Lord, thank you, but I'm going to go my own way. The choice is ours. The choice is yours. Perhaps today you're watching online or even in this room and you know you have a choice to make. Whether to continue to live your life in your own strength and for your own purposes or to finally say, Lord, I know you've been calling my name for a long time. It's time that I turn to you and call on yours. Maybe today you are watching online or in this room and you need to trust Jesus as Savior to place your trust in Him for forgiveness of your sin, for salvation, to walk with Him, to live with Him, to live in His favor. You can do that today. You can pray that prayer right now. You can say, Lord, I need you. I don't want to live in my own strength anymore. I don't want to squander your blessings. I want to receive that. And you can receive Christ today as your Savior. It's a simple acknowledgement that you have sinned. Jesus is the only way and you place your trust in Him. For now and for all time, for your, for your trust to be in Him as Savior. So my friends, if that's you today, don't hesitate. Do that today. If you need help, I'd love to help you. You can come forward. I'd love to share with you how to do that. If online, you'd like to text the word ALIVE to 423-455-9458, you'd be able to do that that way as well. 
I'll receive that today. I'll contact you today. I believe so strongly. I'm willing to to speak with you today about it. I'd love to share with you. I'd love to have that opportunity. But the rest of us, we have a decision to make too. We have a daily decision to make. Am I going to live in the strength and the power of the Lord today or am I going to try to live in my own strength, take things into my own hands? And so I pray as we sing this song that the Lord would move in your heart, would move in your life, would challenge you and that you would listen. You would listen and follow as he's leading you. Do you stand? We're going to pray. And as we pray, if God is moving in your heart, you follow him. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. Thank you. Thank you that you did intervene, Lord. You intervened when Jesus came humbly to earth, became flesh and dwelt among us. As John stated in his gospel, and as Paul stated in Philippians, that you humbled yourself even to death on a cross so that you could stand at the gap for us. Lord, you intervened. You sent a once and for all deliverer, one that did not fail, one that was not selfish, one that gave himself over to your will and to your ways. You did not have to use Jesus in spite of Jesus, Lord. You used him in an amazing way. And so may we see your hand today, God. May we see you working, moving, and may it change our hearts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.